Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. I hope you've enjoyed the series. i got to finish it up today. Uh, but it's, it's really been it's speaking to me, and I hope that it's speaking to you right now about these chairs. Uh, we want to welcome you to Now Church. If this is, Pastor Christo, if this is your beginning time, uh, we want to welcome you to this journey. It's, uh, it is a journey. You know, the Christian life is not a one-off where you pray a prayer, and then you just focus on going to heaven when you die. It's everlasting life from the moment you're born again. Anyway, we're going to finish up our series called Musical Chairs. Uh, last week, we talked about being called, clothed, and covered. We compared the Old Testament story of Joseph and his journey with the four coats that he had in his life, four coats of authority. We compared that to our three chairs. We said every Christ follower is called to grow in their personal relationship with God and take on their proper seat of authority in this life as well as the next. Jesus said, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with the tongues. Who? Those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. If you're a believer, then you're not supposed to follow after signs. Signs are supposed to follow after you. Amen? That's what the word says. So let's get right into the Bible, the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of God. We say it every week because we believe it. We believe that, you know, there's, there's so much right now in our country going sideways because a lot of our churches are going sideways. And a lot of them are, are failing to just uphold the word of God as the, as the word of God. And so we're just going to declare it because the Bible says of itself that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will endure forever. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Let's start with, we're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Verse 1, many of you know Zacchaeus. How many went, how many went to uh, Sunday school growing up? And you know that Zacchaeus is a, 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 a wee little man. <laughs> wee little man is he? Climb up in a sycamore tree. The Lord he wanted to see. Anyway, so you know, you know the story anyway. Well, this is kind of about, this is the message version of that. It says, then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there, his name Zacchaeus. The head man, the head tax man, and quite rich. Usually this, when you say tax man, people just go, boo. Anyway, the head tax man and quite rich, that's why they did it back then too. He wanted desperately, everybody say desperately. Yes. This, is, this, is, this is a powerful word. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. And you know, short people got no reason to, no, that's not, that's, that's, that's not the scripture. That's not the scripture. That's not the scripture. That's evil words. I don't even sing them. He was a short man, couldn't see over the crowd. So we'll just say he was vertically challenged to be politically correct. So he, here, here's the point, verse 4. So he ran on ahead. Say ran on ahead. This is the, this is the story today. He, he, he ran ahead. He looked to see uh, where Jesus was about to go, not where he, Jesus was. That's better than most believers. So he ran on ahead, climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. The New King James says, 
he saw that Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 5, when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Everybody say today. today. That's, a, that's one that's a really important thought there. <clears throat> he didn't say, I'm going to go to your house someday. He said, today is my day to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant. All of our chair two people. They were indignant because this lost guy goes right to chair one. And they're still sitting in the chair of religion. So they were, in, they were indignant and grumped. You don't see grumped used as a verb very often, but there it is. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Let's go to Colossians. <clears throat> this is the Passion Translation. Love this. Colossians 3, verse 23 says this. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you're doing it for the Lord himself. Let me just, I'm going to read that in the way it doesn't read. Put your heart and soul into all church activities when you're at church. That's not what it says. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you're doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. For we know that we'll receive a reward, an inheritance from the Lord, as we serve the Lord Yahweh, the anointed one. Praise God. Finally, Matthew 22, verse 36 from the message again said this. Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion, all your prayer, and all your intelligence. Love him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart today? Holy Spirit, we're totally dependent on you to bring forth this word. Lord, tie up these loose ends. Father, thank you for this revelation, but let this illustration now permeate the atmosphere. That not only people in the room, but people that are connecting with us in our online campus would see today that, you would, that you'd remove the scales from their eyes to see what you're trying to say to them about their lives, to challenge them to move forward in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. As with Joseph, last week we said, use your power for good and not evil. Use the authority God gives you in chair one for forgiveness, not vengeance, for truth and not lies, for abundance and not lack. There comes a point toward the end of every poker game when all the bluffing and all the raising is done and you have to put all your chips on the table. I call today's message, time to go all in. This is the word of the Lord that God gave me for 2024. It's time to go all in. It's not time to kind of <clears throat> play games. It's not time to hold something in reserve. It's not time to count on your plan B. Well, if this doesn't work, then I'll try that. Trusting God all the way, 100%. No more, 
Hokey pokey Christians. Remember I talked about that a few months ago. Hokey pokey Christians are the ones that put their right foot in and they put their right foot out. They put their left foot in and their left foot out and sometimes they shake it all about. This is the time to put your whole self in but not take your whole self out. Put your whole self in chair one and don't keep going backwards in your own brain, in your own mind. One of my favorite texts is this encounter between, between Jesus and Zacchaeus, the head of the IRS tax collection department in the local area in Capernaum. He's in government, he's in finance, and the one thing he's not in is religion. I believe the word of the Lord for 2024, we will be reminding you of this whole chair one revelation all year from time to time. I reserve the right to cause you to recall and new people that come in, you're gonna have to preach to them over there in the legacy building on their way in or on their way out what that means, chair one, because I can't re-preach it and go on, but you can do it. So you need to carry this and you need to preach a little bit. Say amen. Amen. It's time to put all your chips on the table. We'll be reminding this, but you're going to have to tell the new people coming in. Now, the word Zacchaeus, remember every name, every word in the Bible is specific. The word Zacchaeus, interestingly enough, his, his name means clean, pure, and innocent. Now, not many people uh, would look at a tax man and think of him as clean, pure, or innocent. But that's what his parents named him. Many people are named for their redemptive purpose more than their actual experience. Many people are named something prophetically by their parents for their potential and what their parents see in them. Sometimes they do it by accident. We named our, we named our daughter Kristen, uh, Kristen, Pastor Kristen Kennedy now. She's our children's pastor. She had a big birthday this past week. We named her Kristen not because we were so super spiritual. We were, I was a new Christian um, and we named her Kristen because that was the name of the character that shot J.R. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, then go look it up. <laughs> True story. We found out years later, Kristen means anointed one. So we heard the name, got the name right, even if our motive wasn't right. Her husband, Pastor Tristan Kenny, our youth pastor, his mama named him after an actor on General Hospital. <laughs> the guy that played Robert Scorpio was named Tristan Rogers. Three people know General Hospital history. Anyway, don't act like you're so spiritual. Come on, you know, you know Dallas. You know Dynasty. You know them all. <clears throat> Understand, sometimes we don't name them out of the purest heart, but God names. God named you your name. God called you by your name. And God has a purpose in that name. Now, Zacchaeus' name had a purpose. What we learn in the encounter is that Zac is short. He's vertically challenged. But he more than makes up for that with his huge heart. Even though he's a taxman, he's ripped people off for years. Even in chair three, Zach longs to see Jesus more than the chair two crowd longs to see him. 
He's in, he's in chair three. He's lost as the day is long. But this longing in him, this desperation, causes him to do something that these people will never do. And that is to see with the eyes of prophetic faith, to see with the vision of God. This man looks at the crowd, and because he's vertically challenged, he can't see over them. So he says, in his heart, he does something that we all need to do. He looks to see the trajectory of where Jesus is walking. And he looks to see where Jesus is about to go. Some people ask what sets us apart as a church different from a lot of churches or different, I would say different from the average church. Is that we're always looking for what God is about to do and not just celebrating what he already did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. A lot of the church world, instead of being ready to adapt and change and grow, but stick with the word of God, a lot of the church gets so stuck that by the time time is moving so fast, a lot of the church looks like they're trapped. You know, a lot of people that are just starting to get prophetic eyes for the 80s are just waking up to what God did then and they're like excited about what God did in the 80s. That's 40 years ago now. That's the rearview mirror. Zach, Zacchaeus, was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. And he decided to find a place of trajectory. If I can go to that place, for all intents and purposes, we're going to call it chair one. If I can get to that place and I can lift myself up, I can experience him when he comes by. I can see where he's headed and not where he was. I can see where he's going. My friends, that's chair one thinking. That is chair one thinking, that we're looking, God, we want a now word. We want a fresh word. We live not by just old Bible stories. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Your spiritual life and mine is based on what God is saying now. And now. And now. And now. We love his word. But his word that is alive now is what he's saying from what he said. It's what he's emphasizing from what he already said. He looks prophetically and calculates where Jesus is about to go. That's forward visionary thing. The Bible says without a prophetic vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29, 18. Without a vision, the people perish. Without a prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. Without seeing where God is about to go, the Bible says people stumble all over themselves. That's where they get lost in political infighting and all this stuff. I want a title. I want a this. I want a... We had a precious uh, couple came to our church many years ago from kind of a different background. And we loved them and they loved us. And they were, they were excited for the first few months. And then one day... Um, as she started getting involved, the lady came and said, I need a business card. I said, excuse me? She said, I need a business card. She said, I'm telling everybody out there, I'm a minister at this church. So, well, you're, you certainly have the believer's ministry like we all do, and we'd love for you to be out there uh, you know, talking about our church, but I think at the time I didn't even have a business card. <laughs> it, was, it was like that wasn't like high on our priority list. She got offended and left the church because we wouldn't give her a title and a card. Who cares? Do you have him? 
Do you have the function of chair one? Do you, have, do you have a revelation of who Jesus is now? Do you have his word working in you? Do you have his presence on you? My friend, there's no greater business card than, than, than God, his presence on you, working through you to help somebody else. That's the greatest business card you can have. I'm not opposed to business cards. We get them every once in a while, but I forget to give them out. Because it's so far away from where we are. It's not about titles. Zacchaeus was looking forward. The Bible says he ran on ahead and positioned himself where Jesus was headed. He climbed up a tree. He elevated or lifted his own posture, his own position. That's you and me in 2024. We've got to lift ourselves to where Jesus is going. And if we'll lift him up, he'll draw them in unto himself. If we'll, if we'll get up into our position, our platform, to be able to share Jesus with everyone around us, and not in a religious way, but in a give a reason for the hope that's in you sort of way, to everyone who asks you. Be the light, be the salt of the earth, like Jesus called you. Go assault someone. No, 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 no. Not, you better spell it right. Be salty, but not in the wrong way. As the Lord approaches, he walks straight up to Zacchaeus. Jesus passed by all the chair two people in the crowd that were like, ooh, it's a Jesus parade. Isn't this awesome? And he walks up to the one who was looking to find him and desperate to encounter him. And he calls him by name. Zacchaeus, I need you to hurry down from that tree. Because I'm supposed to go to your house to hang with you today. I'm supposed to have relationship with you today. I'm supposed to have fellowship. There's nothing <clears throat> higher in the Jewish mindset in covenant than eating a meal together. Jesus said, I'm going to eat a covenant meal. That's why, they were, that's why they were so PO'd. The other people were so upset because he wasn't supposed to eat with anybody else, that's, especially outsiders. You don't eat with chair three people. You're... You're supposed to be a holy man. All the chair two people just sit there and complain. They go ballistic. He didn't call me by name. He didn't come to my house. By the way, the word says, Zacchaeus hurried down and received him joyfully. These people wouldn't receive him joyfully if, if, if he walked right up to him and said anything anyway. Because they're more in about the rules and the regulations and the this. Did we do it correctly? How's he walking? What robe is he wearing? What's going on? What, what, how's his beard look today? Right. Chair one is available. But it's different than you think. This is different than the Pharisees. So compelling was Jesus' loving presence that as Jesus goes into Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus is so moved, he stands up. The Bible says basically in the middle of the meal is the picture I get. And he, clar he declares his new faith in Jesus. He said, he said, I am so affected by this moment with you. I'm going to take the monies that I've made illicitly or illegally. And I'm going to double it back to the people that I took it from. Jesus was over on this is this is not a financial statement here. This is not a this is this is a money guy who's saying money is not my God anymore. 
I have a revelation. There's something more powerful than money. That's what this is about. Because Jesus makes the next statement and says, wow, today salvation has come into this house. Today you've been changed. And then he begins to pivot and he says, for the son of man has come, has come to seek and to save the lost. Basically as a rebuke to the chair two people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, He's, they're over here sitting there complaining about everything. <clears throat> Today, this guy was brought into covenant. He's brought into relationship. He, has, he experiences the presence of God. He's changed right away. And he's changed to the point where his heart has changed. His God has changed. He says, I renounce mammon. Basically, that's what he's doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give back. I'm going to trust you with finance. And Jesus said, today, salvation is in this house. Salvation is the Greek word soter, soteria. It means deliverance, preservation, soundness, prosperity, and rescue. You've been rescued today, Zach. You've been rescued today. You saw a lifeline and you grabbed it. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He's come for deliverance, preservation, soundness, prosperity, and rescue of lost people. Say amen. amen. The redemption of all. By the way, a little side note. I, read it, I think I read this a few months ago in a, a devotional. It just kind of hits me again. That um, when it says Jesus came to seek that which is lost. He didn't just say, I came to seek lost people. When Jesus redeems, he redeems all, everything that's fallen, everything in that realm that has fallen. This is not just the salvation of a soul. This is a salvation of a home, a life, everything that's touched. This is a salvation of values. A salvation of physical healing. This is a salvation that impacts everything. Jesus redeemed, redeemed us from destruction of the whole fallen planet, not just the immediate circumstance that we find ourselves in. It's really crucial you get that. He came to seek and to save that which is lost, not whoever's lost. That which is lost. When you get saved, there's a moment where that which is lost around you is impacted by your salvation. Now, here's the interesting thing to me as well. This is kind of, I'm, I'm going to wind up the month with this whole, Jesus pivots here. And I never saw it before, but I, this is what blew up in my spirit this week, and that is this. As he says, Jesus, as he says, the, the Son of Man has to come not, but not to, but for to seek and to save the lost. He's come to seek and to save the lost. The next verse says, now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable. As they heard these things. So Jesus is still at Zacchaeus', Zacchaeus house. When he gives what we call the parable of the minas, which is very similar to what Matthew talks about in Matthew 25 as the parable of the talents. Now, there's some different, 
Different parts to the story here, but some of you that know that story will know. So Jesus pivots, while still ministering Zacchaeus and his friends, Jesus pivots the conversation to this parable while he's talking to them. So in other words, it's a continual thought. Uh, I've come to your house. Salvation's come to the house. I'm here to save that which is lost. Now he spoke another parable. Do you see it? So there's a continuing thread here. It's not separate the way we read the Bible so much. He tells a story about a nobleman who prepares to receive a kingdom and is about to go away. And he gives one mina. He has 10 minas, 10, 10, 10 uh, pieces of money in his hands. And he, gives, and he gives 10 servants each one mina. And on his return, he calls them to accountability. And he says, I want to know. How much each has gained by trading? One had one, but now has 10. And he says, okay, because you've been faithful with the one you had and you've shown your ability to handle it, I'm going to give you authority now over 10 cities. Basically, I'm giving you the seat of authority, a seat at the table, according to what you did with what I gave you. Are you following me? The key statement in this parable is that the nobleman says to his charges, his stewards, his managers, when they each get one mina, this phrase, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Do your job. Go to work. I want to pivot this because I want you to see something different than you've seen it before. When I looked up this word, occupy, I just about shouted in my office at home. The word, the Greek word, is, the, is, a, is a word, it's a long word. It's pragmatuiame. Pragmatuiame. Say gesundheit. No, 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 anyway. So, <clears throat> pragmatuiame. Occupy, it means literally occupy, do business or commerce, trade, invest. It's the word from which we get the word pragmatic or practical, not just religiously spiritual. Jesus is pivoting this whole story and this whole moment why don't be mad that I saved a businessman, a man who has been cheating people in the in the government. Don't be mad that I've done this. I want to tell you, I'm charging all of you to occupy and do your job until I return. I, I think you're getting it a little slowly, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. This thought we've been having this month about living in chair one or occupying chair one isn't limited to spiritual or churchy things. This is not a word about how to conduct your life when you're at church. This is a word about how you conduct your life in every facet, especially when you go to work tomorrow. That Jesus turns on a dime and starts to begin to speak to them about their occupations. Occupy. Occupado. 
occupations. Zacchaeus' salvation opens the door for Jesus to release the power of the kingdom of God into people in different occupations here. Until that point, the the, the chair two Pharisees were thinking, it's all for us, it's all for us. Jesus comes to proclaim the kingdom of God for everybody, the whosoever will believe. It affects every part of your life, my friends. It affects your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, not just your Sunday, not just your Saturday night. Everything is affected. Zacchaeus has something in common with one of the disciples. The disciple was named Matthew. They were both tax guys. They were numbers crunchers. They were manipulators. They were considered, they were considered um, turncoats because they worked for the Roman government and yet they were Jewish. They were hated by their community. But not by Jesus. Because God sees redemptive purpose in this guy who has obviously been evil. He admits he's been ripping off people for years. He admits it to Jesus when he repents of his sin. My friends, remember, Peter, James, and John were in the seafood business. Paul was a tent maker. When Joshua received the admonition in the Old Testament, rise up and possess the land. Rise up, cross over this Jordan and possess land. Remember that? The word possess in the Hebrew means to occupy by driving out previous tenants. Occupy, there it is again. Occupy till he comes. Occupy till he comes. Why, why are we not the church in town that's always talking about the end times? I love the end times. I believe we're closer than we were before. We're in the end times. There's stuff going on right now, today, in Israel that would blow your mind. Stuff going on in the world. But why are we not focused on that every week? Why? Because the word is pragmatic. The word is not just about pie in the sky by and by. The word is about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday as well. We're not limited to that. But the job, our job is not to stand here and, and, and deal with it this way. Listen, the ites of our land today aren't people. The ites like Joshua faced are spiritual forces of darkness in our day. And part of why you're here is to occupy every facet of culture and drive out principalities and powers of darkness by your presence, by his word, by his blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Acts 1.8 Jesus, you know, they're, they're saying, when's the, when's the kingdom coming, Jesus? The disciples are saying, he's, Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. And they're arguing over, when's the kingdom coming? When is the, when is the political stuff going to be fixed? And Jesus said, ah, wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. Because what's more important than what you're trying to say, it's not given to you to know the times and seasons of the end. That's in the Father's power. What's given to you is to be empowered when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He will empower you to be witnesses. Witnesses. I read something recently. Uh, 
There was a great man of God from New York that just passed away last year, Timothy Keller. Some of you know some of his writings or his books. Great, mighty man of God. I read something recently that explained that the word witnesses here in Scripture. He said, quote, the word witnesses in Acts 1.8 means more than simply winning people to Christ. The church is to be an agent of the kingdom, ordering lives and relationships and institutions and communities according to God's authority to bring in the blessedness of the kingdom. It's a bigger picture. <clears throat> yes, we're supposed to win people. But we're not supposed to just win people. We're supposed to carry redemption with us wherever we go in every situation and every circumstance. That's really the essence of this whole message on chair one. That's what it's about. So let me ask you this. Are you occupying in your occupation? <clears throat> Pardon me. Are you occupying in your occupation? Are you using your platform at work to bring the kingdom? Are you sitting in chair one on Sunday at church when you hear the message and then you go to work on Monday and you're sitting in chair two? Because you're missing the boat. You're missing the whole point. The whole point. This is, not, this is not a religious chair. This is a seat of authority. We're seated together with them in heavenly places on Monday morning just like we are on Sunday morning. We're seated together with them. <clears throat> and your role, you have a ministry. But we don't have a business card for you or a title. <laughs> Newsflash. You say, Pastor, I'm, <clears throat> I believe I'm called a ministry. Yes. No, no, I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm called. Listen, there are some people that will be fivefold ministry. You may be here today, and that's, that's great. I would say as a fivefold pastor myself, if you can do anything else, if you can do anything else as your platform and use that as your ministry, please do it. Because this ain't what you thought it was. I remember thinking, I remember thinking my, my last few months in the insurance business in the late 80s, I, I said to my wife, if I just could be in ministry, I just I'm so, I felt like I was pregnant with ministry. I said, if I could just be in ministry, I'd have time to read my Bible and pray every day. And that goes along with another mother goose rhyme like the, you know, the nursery rhyme, the cow jumped over the moon. It doesn't happen. You're, let me say this to you right now. Those of you who feel called, because you are called, you're all called to ministry. But let me say this to you. You'll never have any more time to pray and read your Bible than you do tomorrow morning. Never. That's a pipe dream. That's, that's, a, that, that's a pipe dream. That's not, that's not what pastoral ministry is about, I promise you. I wish it were. Is it possible you're living in chair one at home in church, but waffling in chair two at the office? As Jesus is caught up in his heavenly ascension, the disciples become enthralled with the thrill of the spectacular spiritual moment. Right after he says... Be, wait for the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit's going to fill you. And you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. And the Bible says, as, they, as he spoke these words, he rises up into the clouds. 
And guess what happens? An angel appears. What an amazing thought. And you know what the angel says? Why are you all standing here gazing into heaven? Just do what he told you to do. The word is very pragmatic. It's very practical. It's not super spiritual. It's it's for all of us in every facet of our lives. Why stand here gazing into heaven? Get moving. Do what he said. That's practical. I want to read a quick quick testimony and we're we're done. One of our ladies, uh, precious business ladies, emailed me this past week after last Sunday's message and just shared this. She said I could share this. She said, uh, Pastor Richard, just want to share what's been happening in my life. The message today was spot on. So this is last Sunday. Last year, it was a very tough year at work for me. We had so many changes going on with the insurance market in our office. Two of our managers got fired. The new managers that took over didn't really know us or frankly seemed to really care about any of us. They didn't seem to care how our office operated. One of our really good coworkers quit because of all of it. I was seeking the Lord on it if it was time to do something new. I had those moments where I just wanted to quit. The only time in 15 years I was thinking about quitting. Thought about working from home. Didn't want to deal with the stress anymore. My flesh wanted to escape it. Finally, I took authority over the atmosphere and our office in prayer. Chair one. I claimed unity over all of us employees. And my perspective changed. Changed back to chair one. I've been encouraging my coworkers that we must stick together, that we're the ones that are in control of our office, that we're the ones that determine the outcome of what happens. Through all this, I end up having the best year in sales ever. I rank number 13 in insurance agents out of 11 states of agents. I know God is faithful. He's blessed us. We've always sown, and he has rewarded those who diligently seek him and do his word. Thank you for the reminder. There are those that try to pull us out of chair one, but we have the authority to hold us there, not allowing any offense to take hold. Love and appreciate you all. What a blessing to understand. I said, well, this goes right along with my message next week. Can I, can I share it? My friends, there are entry points of culture And one of the key entry points that we all have is an influence in business or occupation, occupying. Why are we so heavenly minded sometimes that we're no earthly good? We can't afford to be weak, passive, or distracted in 2024. That's what I feel in my spirit urgently. We need to know God and make him known. We need to go all in. We need to be in chair one and we need to be leaning in toward him. We need to be sitting in this place of authority, but we need not just to be back here, but we need to be on the edge of our seats. We need to be aware, looking around, seeing what God is doing and taking authority in Jesus' name. We need to be paying attention, looking at what he's doing and looking at where he himself is about to go. Let's see what he's doing and be part of it. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says this, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Psalm 103 verse 1, I'm done. The Passion Translation, the psalmist says, with my whole heart, with my whole life, and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God. 
Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? My friends, God's power is chair one power. Let's look for where Jesus is about to go like Zacchaeus. It's time to go all in. It's time to put all your chips on the table. It's time to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on him, not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and let him direct your path. It's not time to be half-hearted. It's time to be wholehearted. Let's go all in. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. We thank you for your abundant life that you came to promise us in this life. We thank you that we live in an inheritance. We are seated together with Jesus. We are joint heirs with Christ. We are seated and blessed. We're not victims of circumstance. We're more than conquerors and we're overcomers because of you. Father, I pray for every family, every couple, every situation, every circumstance, every individual, everyone hearing the sound of my voice today. All in. Go all in. And I want to give you a moment to repent. You say repent, that sounds like a mean word. No, it's a grace word. Repentance is the moment that we can say, God, I blew it myself trying to do it my own way. And I need a fresh start. And I want everything you have for me. I turn in my thinking from the direction I've been headed. Some of you have been Chair 2.5 or 1.2. You're in between. You're thinking about chair one, but to get to chair one and live in it, you have to be all in. You have to be, I'm invested in God no matter what. I'm going to serve the Lord with gladness no matter what. I'm not going to serve him just for what I can get from him. I'm going to serve him and become a child of God, and I'm going to worship him, and I'm going to praise him on the hard days, and I'm going to praise his name on the easy days. I'm going to praise him when I go to work, and I'm going to praise him when I come home. I'm going to glorify my father because he's been better to me than I could possibly have ever deserved in a million lifetimes. He's good. And his mercy endures forever. But I'm calling for those of you who've been in, in between. Maybe you've even sat in chair one before, but you just don't stay there. I'm calling you in 2024 to lean all in. This is not religion. This is not religious hocus pocus. This is not playing a game. This is not... I'm going to say praise the Lord on Sundays and look like a Christian and then go out there and compromise and be a mess. I'm going to live for God all the way. That's what this message is. If you're here today, you know, how do you have faith? You believe something in your heart, but then you confess it with your mouth. The Bible says that's a witness. You, you tell somebody what you believe. I'm just going to give you real quick right here. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm, I'm, 
I'm tired of living halfway or partial anything. Today, I am all in. Would you raise your hand up right around real high? I am all in. I am all in. I am all in. I am all in. Come hell or high water, I am all in. I'm trusting God no matter what. Praise God. Lord, I pray for every person whose hand is raised, every person whose heart is open. I pray for not just that salvation experience, but I pray for the power of your spirit to breathe on every person here today, to breathe life, to help us, God, to to be like Zacchaeus in that we see not just what you've been doing or what you used to do, but we see what you are doing and we see ahead. We, We can see the trajectory of where you're going and we can follow you with prophetic insight and prophetic vision. Come and breathe on us, God. And I pray for every person here in the sound of my voice. I pray over your business now. Everybody lift your hands up. Everybody in the room, lift your hands up. I pray for your business. Uh, you say, Pastor, I'm retired. That's okay. In, we don't believe in retired here in Florida. We believe in refired here in Florida. You still have a purpose as long as you're breathing. You got a purpose. So if you have a purpose, you have a job. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person watching right now, every person in the room, I pray over your calling, over your destiny, over your business over your work life. over the, God has promised to bless the work of your hands. And I agree. And we proclaim blessing over the work of your hands that as you go to work this week or tomorrow or the next day, that doors are going to open, that breakthrough is going to occur, that just your very presence there is going to bring light and life and hope to people that are hurting. In the name of Jesus, I bless you with abundance. I bless you with prosperity. I bless you with raises. I bless you with new benefits. I bless you with better insurance. I bless you with with greater accomplishment. I bless you to go to that whole new level in 2024. As you lean in and give him all in living, I pray that God would back up the truck and just dump out on you all the inheritance of Jesus that Jesus deserves on your life and on your job. Salespeople, prepare to multiply in Jesus' name. Now, not without resistance, but prepare to multiply, prepare to grow, prepare to prosper, prepare to accomplish, prepare to be productive, prepare for God to do some stuff that's going to blow your mind in 2024 if you'll simply trust in Him. Don't try to figure it out with your head. Trust Him with your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you receive that today? Give Him praise if you received that message, that word. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.